We are two women in academia, raising questions and breaking down perceptions from a black point of view. Welcome to the Black Case Podcast. It's your girl, Dr. Porcher. And it's your girl, Dr. Bircher. Why are you so hyped? Why are you so hyped? And I'm trying not to cough. You know I just got over a cold. Wait, I need a mask. Friend, first of all, <laughs> you ain't telling me you were sick. Wait, you, know, you know I've been sick, but I ain't got COVID. I just had I don't want nothing. Well, sometimes it's you, my anniversary. I'm it's trying to be married. perfect way to bring us in and tell the folks what we're talking about today what are we talking about what are we talking about black joy black joy is that was what you was giving me this morning that was a part of your joy that dance yes i was doing the because i'm still hype off the bet awards okay so what was your favorite part of the BET awards before we get going first of all if it wasn't for crime all coming out at the pre-show <laughs> wait a minute first of all what's her name is it princess i don't know no name but I, I felt like Princess was on cocaine. Cause she yeah, was, so why would you say that one line? Oh my don't, god. Don't I'm put sorry. that don't put I'm drugs sorry. on people. But listen. Because did you see that energy? Listen, they were talking about, and I know we're gonna get to Black Joy, but they were talking about the BET Awards. And I, I loved everything. I loved it. I know it was so ratchet, but I'm ratchet. I'm and ratchet. So I enjoyed it, but you it know It spoke to me. It spoke to me, and I think that people, you know, could see that there were no writers for one. And two, the importance of the writers. The importance of the writers. But I feel like sometimes, since we're talking about Black Joy, I feel like sometimes our elders and older generation can take the J out of Joy. You know, like, we know this ain't your music. Oh, I need us to introduce, Lloyd. We gonna cut. We gonna, because you going. just stand on the pause. I don't know where these going. I'm gonna bring it back, I promise. I just need us to understand that. You know, like, everybody had their moment where the music was good to them. But I felt like, if more people would have watched this, especially since it was the celebration of 50, 50 years, years of hip-hop, yeah. they would have really enjoyed it. But I did feel like some of the young folks in the audience was like, who is Red Man? But he fine, he's though. Fine. Oh, okay. my God. All right. Okay. Fine. So we're talking about Black Boy. Shout out to Lotto. Lotto, yes. Lotto, yes. Bring, just bring our guests in. Okay. So let me tell y'all who we got She's going to be talking. We like, girl, you bring it in. I am so excited. So we had I the am. pleasure of meeting this beautiful, amazing soul, Damaris Dunn. Um, she's going to be talking to us today about Black Joy, but let me tell y'all about who she is. Okay, yeah, so y'all can know she is the truth in the what? Boo. Okay. Oh, I thought you was going to say the truth in the light. No, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. That's oh. giving church. Okay, so not after you don't say that, what must the people do to be saved? <laughs> focus. Damaris is a doctoral candidate in the Department of Educational Theory and Practice at the University of Georgia, Mary Francis Early College of Education. Mm. Her dissertation, honey, she got a what? Dissertation. dissertation. Provides alternatives and possibilities based on the politics of refusal of Black women, K-12 through educators. She serves students and families as a teacher and community school director in New York City Public Schools. Shout out to NYC Public Schools. She also taught at the Schomburg Center. She oh, that's big. Yes. For research in Black Cultures Junior Scholars Program, 
Black is the color of joy and the birthright. Oh, the birthright that. of black women and girls. Can y'all give some love? Woo-woo. Okay, should I do it? Burr, 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 burr. Yes, come on, club promotion sound. <laughs> come on, what's up? Hi. Hello, hello. Good morning. <laughs> hmm. well, if you don't know, now you know. You know what? We are gonna we're gonna get ourselves together. I feel like this episode is on joy and we're carrying so much joy today. Yes, and I feel like our last few episodes have been heavy. They've been they've been way heavy, but necessary. But definitely necessary. So I'm super excited to talk to Demir. She's amazing, y'all. And listen, we are in for a treat and a gift. So Fran, I'm gonna let you get us started up. So I just want to start (laughs) off. (laughs) I am somebody gotta hold it together around here, so it's gonna be me. Um, I just want to start off with um, our first segment, which is honoring the OG. Okay. Is that okay? That's okay. All right. So, first of all, let us just say that we are so thankful. Keisha already said it, but I am thankful. I remember seeing you at AERA because we went to Keisha's session and you were sitting beside me, but I didn't even know. You know when you know people on Twitter, but you don't know them in real life? Mm -hmm. It was those moments. And so, we were sitting there beside each other and it wasn't until you was like, somebody like, just love. And you was cute. You was so fine so with she your uh, Pierre Moss on. Oh, and girl. Beautiful inside she and is. out. And it's hard to come by folks like that these days. So I don't know what would be wrong, but whatever. Um, but I want to ask, we're talking about honoring the OGs. Can you share the OG who has helped you or impacted you on your journey of joy? Mm, that's a good oh, question. Yeah. Um, that's easy. Uh, Bettina Love is my advisor. Um, I have been blessed to work under her auspices. And Mm. so when I got to, I was applying to graduate schools and I was very adamant about working with a black woman. Come on. Um, Very, very adamant. I wanted a black woman to guide me through this journey. I wanted a black woman to tell me right from wrong with regards to the academy and um, I applied to Syracuse uh, to work with a black woman there who was incredible. She was doing literacy work. I applied to UMass Amherst to work mm-hmm. with one of my mentors there. Um, and I applied to the University of Georgia. And mm-hmm. Yoli, Yolanda Silly Ruiz, who has been on this podcast and who I also love. Um, I went to Columbia and worked under her for um, for my master's program. And when I was talking to her, I was like, I don't know where to go. And she was like, I'm going to Georgia. Right? And you know, Yoli, you know, she looks at you. She had, you know, and so she be peer, you know, she peers into you and she's like, you're going to Georgia. And I'm like, okay. Um, And ever since I've gotten to Georgia, Dr. Love has taken such good care of me. Um, Mm. So that's my OG. That is definitely my OG. She has really given me an invitation. Before I would say permission, but it's really an invitation to do the work that I want to do. Um, I remember the first day sitting with her, I was like, I can write about black joy. Like mm-hmm. I can write about black, you know, black women and girls and their joy. And she was like, why not? Wow. Why wouldn't you? Um, you know? And so, yeah, she has been, everything has been everything and really has, has opened up her home, 
Um, I know her family. And so it's just been a, it's been a, it's been an incredible journey. I don't have a testimony of a bad doctoral experience or it's, it's been everything. It's been everything. Damaris just put us on to something and I'm just going to put a quarter in the meter. We already early in park right there. She said something that I feel like anybody who's, who's in the market looking for, you know, possibly deciding to pursue a dissertation or even a job. Like, I wanted to work with a Black woman. Yeah. I did my research. And I know, one, that's a privilege. But two, I think we have to take our power back and think about, like, who can I work with that's going to help me or literally gave me the invitation to be myself, to mm. love her, to care for me, to support me. And we don't think enough about that because sometimes we're, like, chasing a name right? Like, oh, I want to go to this particular institution or I want to work at this particular job. But is there a Black woman there that will support you, love you, care for you, and support you? I think that's something that we all should be thinking about as we continue on this journey. Did you want to say something, friend? I, I, um, I'm also thinking about like how you were intentional also to seek mentorship from another Black woman mm. on those three decisions. Because here's another thing. I want to be fair to our Black faculty. We are already caring a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And so as you're thinking about, you said I got three institutions. It's also a question of do they have the capacity to mm-hmm. give me that kind of mentorship that I need? It's not shady if they say no, because Black women carry a lot. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we carry in the whole institution, okay? Literally. And so literally. And so I think that that was also a very, a very important thing is for you to seek Yoli to say, hey, these are my options. I don't know which way to go. And for her, because of her wisdom, her yes. discernment, I know, like, I know Yoli and Jesus is connected. Like, they right hand. You hear me? Mm-hmm. And so I, I really think that that was very important as well. And I'm going to say this last thing before we go to the next segment. But this just shows you who Yoli is as a person. Absolutely. Like, I think as Black women, it's important for us to be like, you know what? It don't have to be with me. Here's another person you can be with, right? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes we want to covet people and we want to take them on for ourselves. But it's like, nah, I know somebody else who can do this better than what I can do. And this ain't just for black women. This is for everybody. Because I even tell my colleagues who are non-melanated, like, don't, if you know you can't work with this black student, send them to somebody who can support them and care for them. Why are you taking this on when you know you can't do it or you don't have the capacity to do it or you don't even have the cultural competence to do it? We can them or hook them up with other people who we know have the capacity to do the work that we know needs to be done. So thank you, Damaris, for that. I know there are some people who listen to our podcast who are interested in getting PhDs or just changing jobs or going somewhere else. And I feel like this is great wisdom. So because, you know, I guess this is church. Let's move into our testimony. Did she look at me and try to shave? We don't have, I am the church. I carry it with me. Whatever. (laughs) On a personal level, Damaris, what does joy look like in your life? Mm. Yeah. Right now, I think I, I said earlier, right now, I think joy looks like um, these fugitive spaces that I have. Um, so getting on a plane and coming to New York and just being with my people, that is my joy. Um, mm. I think I associate being in Georgia with work. And so I have to, you know, sometimes you know, run to freedom. Because <laughs> <laughs> you ain't even in the I A. Gotta, I, mean, right? 
not free yet, right? So I'm I'm running and I and I run to um I run to New York. I run to my to my parents' house. Um, I run to my best friends uh, because they see me outside of this space. They see me as more than you know a person who is getting her doctorate, even though that's a part of it too. Because you know that's always the conversation is like my girl's getting a doctorate. Like please, you know, put doctor on her name when y'all oh. when y'all put the little place cards and things. Um, and so that's that's that that's my place. My place is New York. Um, that's where I'm from. That's where I was born and raised. And so when I get off that plane. I am Damaris, the doc student, but I'm also Damaris, the person that grew up here. Um, and that's going to run these streets a little bit. Uh, so that's where. You better be outside. I'm like, man, man, I'm outside. Um, and that's where I replenish myself. And that's that's really where my joy, my joy is. Like a couple of weeks ago, they did a party for my grandfather. He just turned 80. Um and just to be with family um, and just to dance and, you know, just be in community. Jo- so much of joy is collective, um, yeah. you know? And so, yeah, that's, that's my testimony. That's where, that's, that's where I'm at, New York. Can you do me a favor? Break that down a little bit. Cause I love that. So much of joy is collective. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. good. Yeah. We, we do, we do this thing in community. Um, we do it in community. I think that we do, we definitely have our, interpersonal like our own like our personal joy but so much you know in church in juke you know when we think historically we think about juke joints we think about the places that people created for us right to to be able to have um fun because there's there's so much persecution outside of Mm -hmm. of where we kind of sit as black people and so a lot of the ways that we heal is in collective and you was talking about the um the elders earlier and so much, so much of it really is in these intergenerational spaces um, yeah. that we get to sit with each other um, and really just be together, um, feel together, and and is usually some music involved. I'm on some music. It's usually some pool, and it's a lot of cutting up. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, and that's that's really when I think about Black Joy, I think that's I think about the barbecue. I think about my grandfather's 80th birthday party, like that is the collective. I think about church um, growing up as a, as a, as a young girl. And so, yeah. Yeah. So it's so interesting. I was up last night um, watching a 1619 project, the um, on Hulu, specifically the episode on fear. Mm -hmm. And there were laws specifically in South Carolina that literally persecuted black people from gathering, from laughing, from being together. Right. Um, Because they were afraid that if black people were together, then they were thinking about ways in which they could, you know, run away or, you know, try to get not be enslaved. And so when I think about the power of our community and what happens when we gather, Mm -hmm. it's so important for us to hold on to that. And one thing I've been thinking about too, just living in another state, I grew up with six other siblings. It's mad of us. Like we a whole tribe. And so (laughs) we we a whole tribe. Like, so when we get together, it's always food involved. It's always cards. We play Pokino music so loud. You can't really hear each other. Of course, people going to be arguing by the end of the night and somebody frustrated with somebody, but like our kids were together, right? They got to know each other. And that is something that I desire and try to create here in New Jersey 
But it's so important for us to be reminded of why we gather and the power um, of when we gather and that joy that takes place in those spaces that sometimes when we move away or we're so busy chasing whatever this dream or career aspiration, sometimes we're taken away from what that community provides for us. You know what I'm also thinking is like I'm listening to you and I know Keisha and I both do this is that you still hold on to those that are not necessarily in the scholarly community. Ooh. It's not that you're like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to Georgia to get my PhD. So I got to forget about my friends who are still, you know, not there yet. Right. And so I think that that's also important for us because a lot of times we feel like when we get these promotions, we have to change our community mm. or the people that we gather with. And that's not true. You got to still be able to be held down by those who know the real you. And even for you, I'm going to freedom, a place where people know me, a place where I could be myself, a place where I could be the band band outside the play. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? That's that every day. Yeah. Okay. But... <laughs> so important because I feel like sometimes people feel like they have to make a decision on whether or not I need to and not us but I've seen people say you know like I'm going in this direction I gotta let go of some of the people that I was with before because they're not in this direction with me mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I think it's okay too like I have friends my one of my she's my first best friend and I say this very proudly her name is Keisha too but when me and Keisha get together honey a time will be had every single time and no she doesn't have a PhD and don't even desire to have one and that part of me like we were on a dance team together that part of me is so important and I think Sometimes when we in these non-melanated spaces, it makes us believe that we have to give up parts of yes, ourselves. That's it. But we don't have to. Like, I'm bringing my whole stuff. You're going to get Keisha Marie portrait, okay? You're going to mm. get all of that. And I think if more of us decide that we're going to show up as our full selves and we bring in our folks with us, I think that they will have no choice but to adjust. Absolutely. That's good. Yeah. And I think it's a both end, right? Like, I, I've definitely built a, a scholarly community um and i love those people too and i think i think there's some intersection in terms of like our turn up and, <laughs> and how we you know how we get together and how we love on each other um and i you know sometimes more i have i have a community right so people going to love on you from every which way um and i've i've actively like built that you know and i think going into my doctoral journey also older like being a little bit older has really grounded me so there are certain parts of me i'm not giving up for nobody's PhD, right? Like that's coming, those people coming with me because they started with me, um, you know? And so I think that is really important to for, for the both end. Um, and I think that, yeah, I've definitely let people go throughout this journey um, because they, you know, seasons. Right. You know, yeah. Seasons, but um, there there's a core few who I hold on to them and they hold on to me and, you know, and we, and we endeavor in life in different ways. We all do amazing things. Um, mm. and I, I never want to say like, Oh, this PhD is, is more than my best friend who, who works as a, you know, in a, in an office to, to help women have babies. Right. Like that, that's, that's important work. work. That's important work, you know? And so I always want to lift that up, um, mm. that we're all doing amazing things, you know? to like expanding the idea of what black excellence is. I mm. think what you just said is so important. Like 
we are family and friends. They play different roles, but they play important roles in their particular lives. Like I think about the women in my family are mostly housekeepers and have been for many years and worked in hotels. They play an integral role. No, they don't have a PhD, but that is still, you know, an element of black excellence. And it's our it's it's ours to define, I think, is is most important. So I'm so glad you brought that up. I really, I'm like, let's get into this black joy because y'all, we this is good conversation. I ain't even about to sit here and play with it. But what, why I feel like Lola was don't play with it, don't play with it, don't play with it. But this is a mean to your It's a mean to your word to say my spirit. But what what is black joy? Let's define that. What does it look like? What does it feel like? What does it sound like? Even what does it smell like? Because it got a smell. Like yeah, it does. Mm -hmm. I think I so I think so much of like the literature talks about black joy as resistance Um, but I think of it as a politics of refusal Um, Mm -hmm. uh, so Audra Audra Simpson she's an indigenous scholar Sadia Hartman she talks about politics of refusal Um, and I think resistance locks us in right to this like this white black binary Whereas mm-hmm. refusal says we're gonna do this anyway, irregardless anyway. of persecution, irregardless of pain, irregardless of suffering, we are going to do this thing. And so when I think about black joy, I think about it as a politics of refusal, right? You know, and the and the Bible would say joy will come in the morning, right? Joy is something that could be taken away from you, right? And so it's a politics of refusal. Um mm-hmm. What it smell like? It smells like my dad's sweet potato pie. Thanksgiving mm. morning at four o'clock when he's cooking. Um, I've been taping my parents recently. Like I've just been more thoughtful about taping them and recording them. And so um, he told me that you know his pie is it. You know he makes his pie off of vibes. Um, oh, it's a vibe. But there's no measuring, right? So that that's what it smells like I to me. Uh, it feels like it just—it feels like community. It feels like being held. Um, I think about my mother's hug. She gives the best hugs. I don't like people who don't give good hugs. Um, <laughs> I'm very big on hugs, and so I think about when I think about black joy. I think about like embrace. I think about a hug. Um, and then in terms of what it looks like, it, it looks like, again, I, I can't say enough. It looks like community. It looks like us all coming together. It looks like this intergenerational space. Um, you know, I think about Dr. Dillard during the pandemic. I had got COVID and she was like, just keep going home, Damaris. Keep going home. Keep going. Keep going to where you need to be held. Um, so when I think about Black Joy, I think about feeling held. I think about it's a precondition of black life, right? Like, yes, we have fear. I mean, we have all these emotions that we feel as black people because we are human. But I think about joy as just a way of rebuking all of that stuff, you Mm -hmm. know, all of the ways in which people try to put us down. And so, yes, that's black joy. And listen, I, I follow you on Twitter and I love when you tweet and say it's ours. Like, and I think that's so important, like to take ownership of mm-hmm. it. Like it's, it's ours. Yeah. And a lot of things that 
you know, a lot of experiences that we've had as black people in this country and makes us feel like even being here isn't ours, but it's ours. You know, we built it. It's ours to create. It's ours to cultivate. It's ours to hold on to. And so even, you know, we have our days where we can talk to each other like, ain't nobody gonna steal my joy, not today. And, you know, like the politics of refusal, mm-hmm. like it's so important. Like you have to take ownership of that thing and decide like, nah, ain't nobody rolling up on this. This is mine for the kids mm-hmm. that um, so yes, the mirrors, I love that. And thank you for like in, invoking your parents, like into the space too, like sweet potato pie. Like I, I love a good fried fish experience. So you know, I like fried chicken. She like fried chicken. But like when my uncle is frying fish on Fridays and people playing spades and dominoes and like, I know what that feels like. Like I feel embraced. I feel loved. Like showing up late. Like, well, listen, I got the sodas. I got the pop. You know, I'm from the Midwest. I got the pop. Like just the ability to like go and be held. Like even if it's for a few minutes, like it's so important. So I want to ask you this, Damaris, how do we hold on to our joy in spaces that are anti-Black? How do we shift you know, to the Black gaze, especially when we like, we might have like an idea of joy that's from a white space like how do we hold on to it yeah that's a good question i think i think so much of it is finding people finding your people i think a lot of the spaces that we're in are hyper white but we're always there um and it might not be like it might not be like a scholar it might be the the lady you know who's the janitor in the building and y'all make eye contact and y'all talk for a minute um, I always find myself talking to people. I think I got something on my forehead that just says, talk to me. But I, I find community in, in folks that might not necessarily like be of the space that I'm in, right? Um, but are very much a part of the space because they make it. Uh, I think so much of joy too, and a, and a lot of the work that I'm doing now talks about the labor of it. Like what it means to actually create the space for us to be able to experience that. And it has to do with multiple kind of bodies of people who are coming together to do that, right? So I think part of cultivating a space is looking for it. It's looking for the people um, who can help you create it, build it, regardless of who they are, right? Um, You know, trying to break down these hierarchies of what it means to be in community with folks in these hyper-white spaces, you know, and being very intentional about that. I think our joy is, I think joy is very intentional. I think that the, the spaces that Black people have always created have been very intentional, but it's, it's their laborous spaces too. You know, when we think historically about, um, like I mentioned earlier about the juke joints and James Cone, who is a Black liberation theologist, he talks about the physical spaces that folks created um, and Black women created juke joints. You know what I mean? Like they're responsible for a lot of those those spaces. And so um, there's labor in that, but you find those people. You find the people who will be able to create this space with you um, in community, you know, wherever you are. Um, Can we take it to an education space? Oh, wait, before you even say because, it. Go ahead. No, because I want to think about, like, as you're talking, I'm thinking about, like, we're talking about women creating this and cultivating these spaces. We're talking about adults, right? Mm-hmm. But what does that look like for young people? I'm thinking right here in Philly how the young girl was getting her diploma. She doing the gritty. The gritty. And, right? <laughs> And she gets there, she don't work hard, and we don't know what people go through to get to this day, right? It is not easy for folks to go through 
13 years of school and get a degree or a diploma. And so she Especially gets, not in a black body. And not in a black body. I don't care if you live in the suburbs, if you go to private school, it is work, right? Yeah. And so with that being said, she gets there, she doesn't get the diploma because she decided that she was going to celebrate her moment. Right. How do we start to take this idea of the joy that we cultivate, the joy is ours, um, you know, it belongs to us. How do we give that to young people so that they can start to take ownership of their joy as well? Absolutely. I think I think one of the biggest things that we do with young people is we don't include them in a the conversation. Yeah. Um, and so for me, as somebody who did youth development work, who worked in the Schoenberg with young people, um, it's asking them, you know, it's, it's, it's engaging in conversation about like, what's the gritty? Um, you know what I mean? Like, what is it? Because if that woman knew, right, like if her principal knew like what she was doing and why she was celebrating, I mean, she knew why she was celebrating. That's, that's, we don't, we ain't going to take that, but if she knew what she was doing, it would it wouldn't be like this disconnect, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think so much of it is talking to young people about what brings them joy. Um, I think I think when I first started, I I really had this like big project in my mind, and I'm pretty sure I will do it at some point in my you know in my career. But it's really like let's go around the country and see what brings young people joy. Simple. What do they mm-hmm. do? Because it because some of it is interconnected, but then a lot of it is based on place and space. Um, you know, and it looks different. And so I really think that it's asking them, but it's also being very intentional about giving them the space to just be themselves. You know what I mean? So much of these environments are confined and constricted and about surveillance. Um, and we have to be very intentional about just letting young people be free. Let them imagine. Um, let them think beyond the spaces that they're in. And these, I mean, this is basic stuff. Like this is not nothing that's, this ain't rocket science, (laughs) but it's something that we need to talk about because so many of our kids are policed. And a lot of it is because people don't recognize what black joy looks like Mm -hmm. or they're trying to, you know, suppress it in a way because that's not how you're supposed to act in school. And that's not true. Mm -hmm. Um, We can have both because the suffering and the pain is there. So we can definitely have a joy. Um, Mm -hmm. That's good. You know, so... Yes. 
turning, turning up. And I love that there were black adults just sitting back and letting them be. And that's okay. Like, even if it's not your choice of how you show your joy, because I know when we get together, we can be cute, we can mm-hmm. be loud, overwhelming, you know, but that does not bother me. And so I just want to encourage people out there, like, don't be a joy police, don't be a fun police. I'm not <coughs> Educators, administrators, people who are dealing with children. Mm-hmm. How do they create spaces for Black children where they can embody this type of joy? We talked about the anti-Black policing, and we we gave a couple of suggestions. But if they could give, because you know, folk, we need a checklist, child. <laughs> give them, give them some things to put on their list. Like, how can they create? Because everybody wants checklists. Just be real. Um, so, how do you create these spaces? Mm. That's a good question. I think I think there's a time and a place for everything. So I think that I think I am not one to say, right, like there should not be structured spaces for young people. I'm not that person. Like I'm I'm not gonna be like, oh, just let them just run. No. But um part of cultivating space, I really think, is knowing who is in front of you, right? So it's it's I think when we think about black joy, we should be thinking about the relationships that we create. You mm-hmm. need to know what like what is making this young person excited about their learning? Typically that might look like joy. Mm. It might, if, if, if what they're learning or what that you're engaging them in. So I, it, it would, it, it probably would invoke some type of emotion. Right. And probably we, we want it to be a good one. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, and so I think a lot of cult, about cultivating space has to do with, um, you know, relationship building. Um, knowing your personnel who is in your classroom um and what and what brings them joy um i think that we don't incorporate music enough into into school and that is so essential to black joy right mm-hmm. um again if the lady knew what the gritty was <laughs> she would have you know like she might have her approach might have been different um, you know, or maybe not. I don't know, cause folks. She didn't look like it though, sis. Yeah, yeah. She she's a fun police. She's the fun police. Yeah, she's a fun police. But you know, like I think cultivating space has a lot to do with knowing, know, know your people, know, know, know the young people in the space, build those relationships. Um, let folks be free. Like, what does it look like to to allow young people to just be themselves, to show up as themselves? You know, like to ask them to have to what what does it look like first day of school to be like, what brings you joy? Mm, that's a good question. That's a great question. If we approach like if we approach school in that way, we telling you rules. We starting with the rules and rules need to be had. Right. But 
what if I say, what brings you joy? Like what, what would bring you joy in my classroom? Um, that's a different approach. That's a different approach to the work. And so I think so much of being in a space has to do with who's in a space with you, creating these relationships and asking the question, um, you know, yeah. I think too, like, I want to take a moment to shout out um, Crystal Watson. I had a chance to watch her teach a few years ago and her students were taking a test. She didn't know I was coming. Her students were taking a test. Um, everybody was quiet. Of course, she allowed them, like, when they got stuck, they could come and ask her questions. And so they were, like, really into this test. But they were, like, really focused on demonstrating their learning. I had never seen students engage like this. Like, I'm going to show you that I know this. <clears throat> they finished the test. Everybody's done. Put the laptops up. Crystal says, now celebrate. Mm -hmm. Girl, I tell you, it turned up. Kids was on the desk. They was, I mean, it was like an eruption of joy. Mm -hmm. I had never seen that. So for a few things, I'm like, hold on, these kids out here celebrating, finishing a test? Like, when did that happen? Because I mean, I told mm -hmm. my kids would never celebrate. They're like, I'm tired of her. I'm out of here. But she literally created space for them to celebrate. Mm -hmm. And it was such a vibe. And not only did they celebrate, she celebrated too. I love Like, that. it was just mm -hmm. a beautiful experience but you could tell that joy was built into what she did and i i still think about that to this day this was years ago you don't tell me this story about i know i love it mm -hmm. so i just, you know that's a practical strategy but even for that. the students to even think like we just finished something that i know that was hard but i have space to celebrate it yeah like, that's that's and good. they didn't even get their scores back yet. No, they got no scores. So they're <laughs> celebrating just on the strength of this is what we did. This is what we did. We I finished. love that. Yeah. <sighs> Damaris, this has been so good. You have given us so much to think about. Um, so we have a segment on the like on this podcast that is the <laughs> ratchet segment, but I love it. Is what you doing with your life? What you doing with your life? So tell us. What you listening to right now? Like, what music you vibing to? What you watching on TV? What you reading? What you doing with your life? Tell us. So, they're, the Black women rappers right now are just are giving me life. So, y'all mentioned Lola Brooke earlier. She's from Brooklyn, right? Oh. So, of course, I'm engaged in the Lola Brooke. <laughs> um, you okay? <laughs> Listen, I'm like patting her back now. Like, get it out. Get it out. Listen, I haven't talked this much since I've been sick. But go ahead. Lotto and Cardi B are doing it for me right now. Um, but then also Girl Trek has um they're doing their their walks and yes. they are providing playlists. Yes. So every day you get a playlist. Um oh and so it's so that it's been really good because they give you like mirror work that you do. Um, and then you do these and then you listen to these playlists while you walk. And so that has been really empowering. So it's like what I'm listening to is between these these black women, female rappers that are just killing it. Um, and then Girl Trek is giving me it's a nice little balance because um, it is a, a intergenerational kind of mix. Um, they got some Afro beats in there, too. So, yeah, it's good. It's good. Yeah. Listen, mm -hmm. and I know too she 
even these young people, like, listen, the young people are going to lead us. But I just love that for us, that we are thinking differently about rap. Because when we, and I feel like this, this rap music with women is just, it's, it's vast. I love it so much. I, do. I love the rap. And I know what they're saying. <laughs> of black joys like it's called the politics of southern black joy and that has really been grounding Mm -hmm. for me um Mm -hmm. in my work um but generally you know i gotta give a shout out to my to my mom like she has been so thoughtful in this process like i think my mom came and sat with me last november and she was like this what you do all day um like you sit and you be writing all day um and so she has just been such an inspiration and has been like really like you know if you're gonna write about joy you gotta feel it you know my dad too, both of them my parents have just been instrumental in my journey um you know and my dad is always pushing me like you gotta cut up this weekend go have fun go have some fun um they they've really been thoughtful about like if you're gonna write about this stuff and not really knowing what the process of the journey really is but like very intentional about like they read my stuff um and they and they read what I'm doing and so they're like if you're gonna write about it you gotta live it too um and so I, I'm really grateful for my parents I'm really grateful for the people who write about black joy because I think so much of what we read is about our pain and I think mm. both are important like we can hold both um but yeah my parents are my parents are everything parents are everything I just want to say something too like for anybody who's out there that what Damaris just said just bless me. You don't have to understand what people are going through to be with them. Mm-hmm. You can just sit with them. Mm-hmm. 
and say, let me see your life. Mm. So sometimes, <coughs> sorry, y'all. It's like, let me distance myself because I don't get this. Mm -hmm. I don't know this. But just go be with them. That's enough mm. in this season. So, Brandon, I'm going to let you do the bulletin because I can't breathe. <sighs> I'm going to get me some uh, Zycam, but this Whatever. is a commercial for Zycam. Um, wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's how you feel? Wow. I'm going to sit with you. You just said wow. sit, but I'm going to sit with you with Zycam and my K95. But listen. Wow. Wow. That's how you feel? Demaris, I, I can tell you. Like you have brought us so much mm -hmm. joy. We have honestly, um, and we say this every episode, we've been so intentional about mm -hmm. this season of Black Ace Podcast because we understand that it is not ours. It belongs to God and we are just his vessels and we want to be so intentional about who we bring on here, the topics that we discuss. And when your name came up, it was just like a yes. Like, you you exude joy. Um, I know that it's not always easy to carry, you know, the things that you carry, but you exude joy. And I thank you for bringing joy into this space. You want to say something? Because I, I feel like it's... it's yeah, I got a little bit more water. <clears throat> you know, we can do a commercial for uh, great value water. Too. Great value water. Um, yes. I just want to say something to Damaris, too. I think... <clears throat> From the time I met you, you were so welcoming. Like you, like when when Charmaine said you embody joy, that's real. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not saying that just because you're on our podcast. Absolutely not. And I just want to say thank you. Sometimes, you know, the spaces that we're in, they're not welcoming. They're not loving. And when I saw you, I was like, yeah, she the real deal. She, she about this. And so I appreciate you for saying yes. I want you to hold on to that. Like, because sometimes these spaces can just tear all that, you know, from us, you know, and people too. And so I just want to say thank you for saying yes to us, for embodying joy and reminding us that it's our choice. It's ours for the keeping. It's ours for the taking. Um, but it's one thing for you to, to research something and it's another thing for you to be it. And so it's not surprising to me that your parents are like, nah, you, you researching this thing, show it to us and you are doing it. Like, I don't, I, I know sometimes it's like, I'm, you're trying to reach this thing, but you're already it. Like you are already it. And I want you to hold on to that and never forget that. Even when the world is all crazy and like, I don't know what, you know, what all of this is because mm. When I'm reading your Twitter sometimes, it's the joy that I need. It's a reminder that, hey, Keisha, this is yours. Like, how are you going to embody it? How are you going to refuse? Like, I don't care what's going on. I'm going to do this. So I appreciate you all that you are. Not for what you do, but all that you are. So I just wanted to say thank you. Well, let the church say amen. Um, that was beautiful. One thing that we're going to do is pour into people. And in this season, I think that that's important. So I, mm -hmm. I, I thank you um, for that. Y'all, we're going to get to this bulletin. Mm. Okay. Y'all follow okay. us on IG, on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube. Okay. Engage with us on social media. We are the ones that you're talking to. So talk to <laughs> us. Okay. Because some people don't be talking to people. They be paying people. Know. 
We talking to people. And so we need you to talk back, okay? Share the, the podcast with people. Give them some joy today. Mm-hmm. Um, and share, well, I said share our episode with your folks and even with your enemies. Because I think that if we have more joy, that would change the world. Mm-hmm. Okay, so don't be selfish with it. Um, before we close out, I do have to wish my honey bun, my baby daddy, my husband, a happy 14th. Come on, 14. Wedding anniversary. We up and we stuck. Okay. Up and it's stuck. Okay. Okay. I had to just say, I just had to share that. Okay. All right. So we're going to do this like this. I'm going to go. You going to go. And Damaris, you follow suit and you going to go. You got it? All right now. It's your girl, Dr. Bertrand. (laughs) It's your girl, Damaris Dunn. And.